Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 247. Today is Sunday the 3rd of September 2017. Happy Labour Day. And this interview is with Cathy Hoog, who's a writer and media professional with a special interest in wine and the spirit of hospitality. Cathy speaks on subjects ranging from wine and gastronomy to digital marketing and entrepreneurship. In this conversation with Cathy, who is co-founder of Analytics, providing big data services to the wine industry, we discuss the challenges in the wine industry, how data can be used to provide a differentiating value proposition, and which are some of the best wine apps. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host and author of The Mindset, that's M-Y-N-D-S-E-T dot com, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes to the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue. And today, piped in from good old Atlanta, Georgia, Kathy Hugh. So Kathy, you and I met in the beautiful Chêne Bleu in Cresté in South of France, so that wonderful uh, think tank, Fine Minds for Fine Wines, talking about the future of great wine. So nothing like an inspirational way to meet Kathy. Uh, and, and of course, on top of that, not only do you like fine wines, you are a, a digital lady. So I, I thought it'd be a great opportunity for us to hang out, talk about those things, wine and digital. What a better combination of things could we ever ask for? Kathy, tell us who you are in your own words and what's your mindset these days? Right. Hey, Minter. Really, really good to talk to you again. I've been looking forward to this conversation so much, um, especially since then and learning more about what you do and about how it really jives with sort of the energy of what of what I, of what we do as well. Um, so Kathy Hoya, I am the co-founder of Analytics, which is a big data company for the wine industry. Um, I'm also a journalist. I write about wine and the business of wine for Forbes, and I write about entrepreneurs for Inc. online. And I'm an author. My book is called Hungry for Wine, Seeing the World Through the Lens of a Wine Glass. Hmm. Um, In terms of my mindset, I suppose uh, the, the two words that capture it would be that it's about clarity and intention. Those are, those are the two things that, um, that when I, when I get up, that's what I strive for when I wake up in the morning, clarity and intention. All right, so the little uh, voice inside of my head says, hmm, does one need a glass of wine in order <laughs> to write? <laughs> and, and how does a glass of wine and clarity come together? You know, I saw something the other day that said, um, my whole life has been an exercise in testing the theory that wine makes you a better writer. (laughs) And it certainly makes, I don't know about you, but it certainly makes me a better cook. I feel like I'm such a better cook after I've had a glass of wine. Yeah, there's a sort of like a little bit of a a touch of disheveledness that allows you to come in when you got that wine glass in your hand and that creative flair is (laughs) just getting ready to pulse out of you. So That's um, right. So I love, right. uh, I'm, I'm loving the imagery. So, um, so you're in the wine business per se. I mean, you're obviously in the digital. What would you say have been the biggest issues in the wine industry and, and where and how would you look at the digital opportunities for someone who's in the wine industry? Yeah, so I think that digital is an incredibly exciting space within wine right now. Um, because there is so much more open to us now than there was 
two or five or certainly 10 years ago. And that has to do, Minter, in, in, in my opinion, with, with consumer platforms um, that just in the door for, for us to, to know what each other is thinking, for consumers to tap in, to sort of, you know, listen to each other, but also certainly for wine businesses to listen to consumers. Um, the, the opportunity for that information to, to be useful to wine businesses is, is at this moment absolutely unprecedented. Uh, within the wine industry. And what's really exciting from our point of view is that we're starting to see wineries open up to it. We're starting to see wine businesses. um, Certainly there have always been wine businesses and companies who have done digital really well. Um, But they're also, uh, wine is is a unique industry in that it doesn't necessarily follow the, the business practices that you see in other industries like finance or manufacturing. Wine is a, in some ways about a lot about mystery and it likes itself that way. Um, so to see uh, wine and wine companies opening up to using data and being more digitally oriented makes this a really exciting time within the industry. So I'm interested in looking at this notion of, of why now, because obviously these platforms have been around for a while. Other industries like manufacturing is saying, or other industries, you know, consumer industries have been more open to it. And and yet, if you look at the wine industry, which is obviously consumer facing, it's been slower to uptake. And what, to what do you ascribe this slowness? I mean, is it just because we want to stay mysterious or, or are there element, other elements? Well, I think, um, well, there there are some platforms such as Wine Searcher. Wine Searcher has been around since 1998, which is tremendous. It's one of the, it's one of the uh, sort of the most resourceful of data sets and data partners that's possible to have, and they are serious about their data. And I love, I love talking to them. I love learning from them because they have been around for so long and take it really quite to heart, um, their their own data, but. It's also, and then, and then of course we have the social media platforms that are that are sort of more general and not necessarily wine oriented in focus, but that of course quite a lot of consumers use to talk about wine. And then getting even more focused are are the apps and the other platforms such as Bovino and Delectable and Drizzly and these things that really are a lot sooner, a lot more recent on the scene mm-hmm. so the the innovation the innovation of analytics is to literally knock on the door of all of these newer platforms and um and invite them to to share their data uh so that we can sort of pull the data from different sources and every source gives us kind of a puzzle piece of the consumer the- and the more puzzle pieces we can put together the better of a picture and an idea that we can have about wine consumers today. You know, as we were talking in Cresté about uh, the future of wine, we have this mystery component, and it does make me think of of the retard of the luxury industry that has been so slow to take on digital, because in in essence, what they like to do is, is to keep this notion of mystery and have this wall so that we're not transparent. But the other thing that comes to mind, and I think is in the luxury industry, we have so many of these chateaux that are there's so many wines in the first place 
that the choice seems overwhelming in order to try to craft some singular point of view in such a, a massive forest of information. Mm. I, I just wonder whether, whether that plays. Yeah, but that's why, that's why I think, Winter, um, digital is so, is so powerful because you don't have to know everything there is to know about wine or you don't have to be informed about everything. Most often, especially for consumers, they want to know what their friends are drinking. And they want to know what people just like them are enjoy and what they're saying about it. And so I think that that is, of course, the opportunity that digital gives us. And that's exactly what we're seeing as more and more companies are trying to tap into so that they understand um, how their consumers are already speaking, how their consumers are already communicating in order to communicate back in a way that, that resonates and that's meaningful to them. When you are you, one of the recent articles you wrote, you say that data is the big differentiator for, in the wine industry, and and I wanted to ask you whether this was uh, to the exclusion of, or to some degree, indifference of social media. That's to say, when one looks at digital, there are so many elements that could be used, whether it's uh, in terms of communication or in terms of fabrication. We talked about that in Christe. There are so many ways that digital could be applied. But would you say that looking at data is the big story as opposed to using social media to drive my business? Well, social media certainly is, is un, you know, unquestioningly important to, to using other, other kinds of consumer data. Um, and actually, what we're finding is that the people who are familiar with social media, who are used to looking at, um, at Facebook analytics or Google analytics, um, who, or who are used to looking at that kind of back end of things, they tend to be um, our, most, our most open clients and our most, are, are the touch points at the different clients that we end up working with. Um, even if they haven't worked with the kind of data that we're bringing them, they're used to looking at that interface. And so it actually is not so far of a bridge for them to cross mm -hmm. to look at this new data set that's coming um, from these wine-focused platforms rather than social media in general. So when you use analytics, your your business, your give us an idea of how you aggregate data. I mean, because my mind's thinking about, well, you know, there's certain APIs that are open and others that are not. And how do you, how do you congregate all the data to, to make it useful for a company? How, what is the analytics, appro analytics approach? Yeah, so our, our team of data scientists are, in, in my opinion, the ace of our sleeve. Hmm. Absolutely. And the true definition you you will know of course um of a data company is, is to aggregate multiple sources of data across multiple platforms mm -hmm. and that is their expertise that's what they do really well i myself am not a data scientist mm -hmm. i'm a communicator um but i'm in the office with them and i'm watching what they're doing and it, it's it's mind-blowing to me um what they're able to see and to and to into it from the from the data um, so we work in two ways. One is that we take the data that a, that a business, a wine company already has, mm -hmm. whether from their direct-to-consumer program or, 
or even their viticulture program. And we also layer onto that um, the consumer data from our data partners. We have a network of partners that we that we get data from um, according to whatever it is, the KPIs or the priorities of, of the client. So we work in, along those two paths. One is, so to speak, B2B, mm-hmm. um, a company's internal data, and the other is B2C, um, the, the consumer data that is available through our network of partners. So you, obviously we have a, the, a different situation in the United States in terms of the regulatory environment. If I'm, if, I'm develop, if I'm producing a wine, I have distributors, and this, that's the B2B element, whether it's a, a, a restaurant or a, a wholesaler. And, and they are my clients because they are the ones who are paying me. At the same time, it's not the end client because they're not the consumers. So if I'm, if I'm one of the challenges in the B2B to C, you know, B2B to C market, which is what I used to do when I was at L'Oreal selling through hairdressers, is, is how to manage the relationship with your consumer at the end of the day when you have to go through a distributor. So how do you, because data is, of course, you know, a critical element of control and power when it comes to distribution. So how do you manage to get the data that ultimately is the most important, let's say, at the consumer level, when you have these uh, players in the middle that are not necessarily as open? Right. Well, that is, that's exactly why um, the digital space within wine is so exciting right now, Minter, um, because we don't, we don't need the distributors in order to find out what the consumers are thinking. Um, yes, the U.S. is a, is a highly regulated um, when it comes to the, the alcohol industry. However, these platforms, the Vivinos of the world and the wine searchers um, and the Drizzlies of the world and the 750s of the world, they don't need to go through the distributors in order to be effective or in order for anyone to use, frankly. So we're sort of skipping over all the regulatory stuff um, and enabling wine companies, wineries, wine businesses, winemakers themselves um, to communicate directly to the consumer. Hmm. So how are distributors reacting to that? Well, it's um, they will sell more wine. <laughs> if the winery is, um, is being more effective in communicating with the end consumer, then there will be more demand. And so therefore they'll sell more wine. Huh. So, I mean... What's not to love if you're if you're the distributor, right? All right. So let's say I'm a winemaker. I'm, I might be in Napa Valley, but I could also be, I suppose, in in British Columbia, as we were talking about before, or um, or in you know Sicily or wherever. What are some of the? Th- how do you go about optimizing big data uh, and, and you know leveraging it into making a better business? What are some of the things you do as you pull that stuff in? Yeah, so certainly, I mean, one of the most elemental things you can do, of course, is be engaging and interactive um, on meet, meet, your, meet your customer where they are. If your customer trends toward Instagram, then you, of course, want to be on Instagram. Um, so that is definitely one of the, the most fundamental things that a winemaker, in this case, can do. Um, the winemaker's business um, will also, you know, this, and this is where analytics comes in, is to make the connection between 
the the behavior of consumers and the sentiment of consumers around those wines within different markets. Say you're talking about Vancouver versus Miami versus Boston versus Houston versus London versus Singapore. Those are all very different markets. And, um, and there are very different consumers talking about your wines in different ways. And so that's where the big data comes in. That's where the big data comes in that we can tap into and, and know, for example, where are the heat maps of interest in your wines or in wines like yours around the world? And what are the differences in the way that consumers in those markets are talking about, talk about wine? Those and sort of the scale that big data offers and the quantitative evidence that big data brings, I think, is is what differentiates one um, one Mike, one winemaker, one wine company's outreach from another. All right. So, I, I mean, I, I, it's such a, a vast world in some regards. And I, I say it's vast because I feel that there are so many wineries out there. So the the consumer mindset typically will want to reduce it down to regions, you know, Bordeaux or Bourgogne, or you know, you know, Montepulciano or whatever. And you, and yet within these regions, of course, you got these individuals that are going to be vying for space within the Burgundies, within the red, you know, the Bordeaux and so on. So at some level, do you need to be working on the category as much as your individual wine, or do you need to be just really focusing on your own? How do you go about uh, dissecting that data in such a way that it's effective to, to push your mar- your business? Right. Um, that's, a, that's a great question. And it's actually one of the light bulb moments, Minter, that has come out for us um, and our engagements for, for the clients is that um, internally, they have an idea of their competitive set. They certainly have an idea of who they think they're they're fighting for, um, they're fighting with in terms of getting the consumer's attention. So they they have that in their mind and they have sort of this list. However, every time that we have done a competitive set from the consumer's point of view, it has been different than the competitive set that the winery has hmm. in their own mind. So that ends up being quite a light bulb moment. The competitive set from the wine's perspective, from the winery's perspective, and the competitive set from the consumer's perspective. The, the other wineries and the other brands that the wine is competing with is not who the wine thinks it is, hmm. who the winery thinks it is. So that is a really exciting light bulb moment that we can bring, that we can sort of switch on, thanks to big data. And at at any time, will the different set involve things like budget for an iPhone, as opposed to, (laughs) you know, a budget for a Cabernet Sauvignon versus a Pinot Noir? Sure. So price elasticity um, is is a question that we get often. Um, because, you know, the question is, can I, can I raise the price of my wine? Will the market bear it? Will the market allow it? Um, and one of the ways that we can, that we can do this is by, um, is by analyzing the wines that a consumer picks up, say they're in a, in a wine shop, and they pick up a wine, and they're interested enough and close enough to buying it that they'll do something like scan, scan the label. What a lot of these platforms enable that consumer to do is also scan a competitive wine and put them side by side. 
So what that gives us from a, from a raw data perspective is this, um, is this sort of identified competitive set within a session, within a sort of a discrete session of two wines side by side or sometimes three wines side by side. From the point of view of the consumer, what are you looking at when you're looking for wine? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is within the same price category or sometimes it's within the same region. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it sort of allows us, it gives us the ability to answer the question and, and around things like price, like pricing as well. Mm. And so we, you've mentioned a number of different apps like Drizzly and 715 Vivino. Is it possible for, or do you, are you able to aggregate all that information? Are you, do you have access to the pipe hose, fire hose of all the data so that you can then bring that to the different wineries? Or do they, are they more cagey about their data like most of the other apps? Well, this is what um, I mentioned earlier. This is the, the innovation of analytics is to literally go and knock on the door of these different, of these different data partners. And some are more willing to play and to be involved right now than others. And partly it's also a monetization opportunity for them and whether they're in that place to to seek that right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Some are and some aren't, but we have developed relationships with with enough of these these platforms that we feel feel like we're in a position to to convey insights that that are both statistically significant and that we ourselves would make decisions, business decisions upon. Yeah, you mentioned in one of your articles that you want to be the, the Swiss bank of the wine <laughs> industry, or something like that, with regard to data, right? That's right. The, the Switzerland of, of big data. We, we, if there is a wine data sort of holder that has information about, especially about consumers, that would be useful to wine businesses and frankly useful ultimately to consumers to have a better experience, then we want to talk to them. Uh, we want to engage with them. We, you know, want to, we want to see if we can, if we can get um, their raw data and aggregate it with other sets so that we can then present that kind of puzzle pieces together of, of the consumer. One of the things that came out of our think tank in Christe was this this need for like uh, the Uber the Uber Winepedia that really allowed for all the data and I suppose this is really what you're talking about to be compiled and and have everyone have access to it because it seems at some level that there is a need to grow the category of wine or to re-stimulate the category of wine because I, maybe at some level there's been some kind of reluctance to move into this new digital world and other categories are, have been taking a bigger a lion's share of the of the pocketbook well i think um i think that there is you know certainly an a component of the industry that that still does think that way um but i can tell you from this side of analytics just 18 months into into the business um we are we have more than enough business to to work with mm-hmm. um, in terms of engaging with companies who do who do want to get ahead from a digital perspective 
And it isn't as though it's every single company on the planet, and that's fine. We need sort of engaged people in the right positions who are willing to say, you know what, we don't, we don't know this yet. Mm-hmm. Consumer data is a blind spot for us. And so, therefore, we, we, we're willing to learn. You know, show us what's possible. So, so those are the most exciting, most exciting engagements, Minter. Hmm. Um, I had the call yesterday and I'm still sort of, you know, vibrating from it because it was so exciting because they were saying, we don't, this is something we don't yet understand. So how can we get better at it? All right. So the, the consumer punter in me would like to know what on earth is going on in the wine industry in terms of what are the big trends? Are people buying more Cabernet Sauvignon or... Are we going more South African? What, are there any data points that you could send us, you know, out of your large component that we would be interested in to understand? You know, I can be trendier now when I go to the dinner party and give a, a wine trick. Or, you know, I, I hey, listen. Did you know that the nineteen ninety six? Whatever. I don't know. Give me, give us something to, to chew on. Yeah. So as I as I mentioned, I'm just coming from British Columbia in the Okanagan Valley of Canada. And it is one of the most exciting places um, because they're doing these crazy things. I mean, yes, they're doing they're doing things you can expect, such as Syrah and such as Riesling and such as um, Chardonnay in cool climates. However, they're also doing really fun, just off the wall things like a like a Malbec Nouveau. We hear about Beaujolais Nouveau, but here they're doing a Malbec Nouveau, and they're doing Camay, and they're doing these really fun, really unique, um, really unique expressions of grapes that you know we kind of know. And so I think that I mean, just from my perspective as a consumer as well, mentor, I want to know what's what's the next thing coming down the pipeline. And I feel like the opportunity to go to a place like that and see what they're doing there and see the sort of uh, creativity that the winemakers there are expressing through their own landscape is really incredibly exciting. That is fun. Well, for I, I, I did have a good friend uh, making wine in the Okanagan uh, Valley. Um, that, I love that. So as a, let's stay on the consumer land just one second because I'm sure many people listening are going to enjoy this part. What is your favorite wine for writing? <laughs> <laughs> whenever, I, whenever I get the question of um, what's your favorite wine, I always inevitably say the wine that's in my glass. Naturally. That's my, but, that's but, my favorite Let's say so you've, you've got to write an article for Forbes tomorrow. You've got an hour and a half ahead of you, and you go, you go to your rack, and you're going to pull something. What, and mm. it's, this is like a big deal article. I mean, of course, you know, you're not going to have three glasses. You might just have one, but... Do you, how do you go about choosing that wine? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, um, and that sort of you know it, it romanticizes wine writers as though we have this we all have this big rack of wine to choose from. <laughs> but my own my own personal tendency, Minter, goes toward um, lower alcohol wines, mm-hmm. um, things around twelve percent, maybe thirteen percent. Um, of course, in the summertime, uh, they tend to be either lighter reds mm-hmm. or, or cooler, refreshing whites. Mm-hmm. Um, although I personally, and this is just my own personal preference, um, I love very aromatic whites, mm-hmm. um, especially in the summertime, and especially if I have time to just sort of sit with it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Just sit with it because that wine's going to going to be different in mm. the glass, you know, when it's my last sip compared to when it's my first sip. It's going to be a different experience when I'm in my, you know, eighth paragraph of the article compared to when I've just started. <laughs> I, th- we, we, we could surely have a riff on that one. I mean, you know, usually we're talking about pairing wines with food, but here we're talking about pairing wine taste with paragraphs. This has got to be the first time I've ever had that thought. Um, going in and continuing on, what are some of the good apps? What are the best apps that you think are, are referenced these days? Yeah, well, the, uh, one of the really fun things that we're seeing absolutely um, is that every every app and every data source has their own personality, right? Has their own personality. If you if you are in the trade or if you know enough about sort of the industry to use WineSearcher, that's your first stop, mm-hmm. WineSearcher.com, mm-hmm. and you're searching for for a wine and to learn about it and searching for its pricing. If you are an everyday consumer. Um, you likely might trend toward using Vivino. 25 million people around the world have downloaded it, so you would not be alone. Um, Personally, I also, if I want to kind of get a read on what sommeliers are are drinking and other people within the wine industry, I would use Delectable. Mm -hmm. But I also love, um, I love Instagram. I love Instagram for documenting my own wine experiences and for sharing those with my sort of with my own my own people with my own network and so when you're on instagram are you what do you do like a hashtag uh cabernet cab sab or hashtag um white wine how do you how do you search for what you're looking for yeah all of those but also i mean i love i love to tag people when i think they'll be interested in it um who who either you know I've I've met over the wine or um, who or who I know love that style. So yes to the hashtags, but also tagging people mm-hmm. I think is is really important. Hmm. Brilliant. All right. Well, listen. Uh, that's been a, a wonderful little ride down, uh, and hopefully a little bit of inspiration for those of us who are writing lots and lots on the side. What's uh, what would be the best way for someone to reach you, get in touch with you, where you are, Kathy? Yeah, super, super easy. Um, Enolytics, E-N-O-L-Y-T-I-C-S dot com mm-hmm. is a website. You can submit a form through there, a contact form through there, or else shoot me an email. Um, it's Kathy, spelled with a C, C-A-T-H-Y, at enolytics.com. Brilliant. All right. Well, listen, Kathy, I look forward to sharing another glass with you somewhere and uh, maybe not writing another article together, but shooting the shooting you-know-what somewhere. All right? I'll be all it'll be on me. Oh, I'll thanks. buy I'll buy you whatever it is that you like to drink when you're drinking Or how about that? Happy thanks so much. Alright, thanks, Ginger. Take care. Thanks for having to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com. That's mindset with a Y. Where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please do rate it in iTunes. That really makes my day. Happy trails and enjoy Josh Sachs's Painted Fingers. Oh, fill me with all your colors any different way to rid me of the gray and heal me with all your imperfections that you mention in your lack of self-esteem.
The ridges in our palms make colors blend and look ugly in the end. But they're pretty in their own disgusting values. We'd hang our portraits in the hallways, make our house guests cringe. Oh, I wouldn't care about the My name is Sara, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years' experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.